1: W R O L, the Spirit of Boston. What? You were fine? I was just a little far, further away. I sounded like I really was in Florida. Yeah, I know. I was yelling from Florida. Oh. But I'm back. So it was a um it was a bit of a rough two weeks, I guess. Um the station went off the air one day and uh and there was some communication issues and but uh last Saturday went pretty well, I thought.
2: Yeah, last yeah, Saturday was fine. Yeah, last Saturday's fine.
1: Everything hooked up the way it was supposed to hook up, so that's all good. So, um, but here I'm back in the studio. Dennis is in the studio,
2: and I got the studio all set up nice. Yeah, you do. I'm not growing mushrooms today. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. (laughs) It's uh, you got lights on in here, Uh, and people probably don't know this, and if they saw me, they probably wouldn't know it. But certain things I I like like there's one two there's four sets of mini blinds in here. And I like them when they're all the same, you know. They can't be one that's up and one that's down and one that's open and one that's closed. I like them all, all open, all closed. I like them uniform. Uh, apparently, I have a little bit of OCD or
2: something, or. It was nice s- when you were gone. CD-O. I didn't have to worry about that. The studio was nice and dark. I could <laughs> chill out. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, I'm old. I have to. I have to have lights on to be able to read. So,
1: and I have stuff to read. So, uh, so is that uh it was a it was a good time in Florida, I will say, down at the uh, tin shack in Florida uh, one of the one of the little side trips in between um in between fixing things that were broken and doing things that you do to stuff and uh we took a ride over to something called the Muscle Car museum and it's in what used to be an old Walmart. It's a small Walmart. It's not a big Walmart. It used to be an old Walmart. I thought it might have been like more of a Kmart kind of thing. But, and apparently this guy had so many cars, he bought a Walmart to store all his cars in. And there has to be a couple hundred cars in this Walmart. And it's one thing that's interesting about him. Almost every one of them is a standard transmission. So, Camaros, Corvettes, none of them are automatic. So, apparently, he liked to shift. Well, if you
2: have a muscle car. Yeah. Yeah. My friend has, I'm sorry, I'm getting off subject. Well, not off subject. Yeah. A friend of mine has um, a newer Dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest, big engine he had. He had one. Yeah. Um, it got wrecked. Someone hit him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a muscle car. Yeah. But it didn't have a shift. Yeah. So he went out after they said the car was yeah. totaled. Um it was totaled because it wasn't worth it wasn't that like it can be fixed, but the yeah. insurance is like, oh it's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Um so he went out and he found another another one, a better one, and this one has the shift. Oh wow, right. it's so, vastly different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it, it becomes it it becomes just a lot more fun car to drive, unless you're in Boston traffic and stuck, stuck, and then it's no fun. But if you're if you're out and you just kind of want to feel the acceleration, and the new automatic transmissions are so good, but there's still something magical about revving up the engine just right, letting the clutch out just right, taking off, shifting there's something just just I don't know. I kind of appreciate it. So, but anyway, so this, uh, but they had things like. You know, you don't see a lot of 67 Camaros because that was the first year that a Camaro really existed, but it wasn't. Most people know Camaro started in 68, but they had '60 60, a 67 Camaro. They had a 68 Z28 302 Camaro. Not many of those around. They had a 70 and a half Camaro. 350 LT1, which was the hot engine with the spare tire delete. It was really spare almost a... tire delete. Yeah, so they took the spare tire. When you ordered it, you had them take the spare tire out because it saved 50 pounds and made the car lighter. Oh. And it actually had a slightly smaller fuel tank, so you didn't carry the weight of the extra fuel around, made the car faster. Um, so you passed everything but a gas station. Exactly, because you had to stop a lot. But it was... Uh, but And there was... It was very GM-based, uh, there was a guy in a pickup truck that pulled up as we were walking out, and it was like twelve bucks to get in, I think. And he says to says to me, uh, "Yeah, is that worth going into?" I said, "If you like GM cars, it is." And he goes, "I have GMC tattooed on my forehead," which he didn't, but he was driving a GMC pickup truck. And I you said, the "Then GMC you'll enjoy hat." <laughs> it. Yeah, I said, "Then you'll enjoy it." There also was, and I'm sure one of several. And they, there was about four or five cars for sale. And there was one of, I would say one of several, um, the
2: uh, car from the movie Christine. And it was for sale. Uh, I thought, because I know one went up for sale. It yeah. was on the internet. And yeah. Is that the same one? Might have been. Might have been. So, but it it was a pretty, pretty phenomenal place.
1: And uh, if you follow me on Facebook, if you want to, if you're bored enough to... Do that type of thing. Uh, Mr. John F. Paul on Facebook, because someone has John F. Paul. Someone had John Paul. Shocking. Yeah, someone had (sighs) J.F. Paul. But Mr. John F. Paul, no one had. So um, look for me on Facebook, and there's about 60 pictures that I took, um, including there was a pretty good pedal car collection, like mounted on a shelf up over a wall. And people of a certain age will remember – the Stingray bicycle, oh, and I'm uh, a
2: Stingray bicycle, but I
1: little twenty little twenty inch bicycle, banana seat, high handlebars, red, but white. they also had variations of them. The orange crate, the something Pea picker. There was a you know there was a a, a white one that was the something ghost, which was very very rare. Um, these all but one, I think, were late later reproductions because the original ones actually had a shifter mounted in the middle bar and the um the newer ones didn't because of liability i guess i don't know why probably didn't want you taking your hands off the handlebars i don't know but but these were also these were old because they were probably
2: they just weren't the original they, ones. They weren't
1: the original ones. But um, just the more you walked around, the more you saw And there was, again, there was stuff, there was a, some Corvette with dual four-barrel carburetors that was factory that I had never seen before. It was just something that I'd never seen that set up before. A lot of, there was some Pontiacs there, and Pontiac had something called a Tri-Power, which was three two-barrel carburetors. Um most of the time when you saw those, somebody took off the three carburetors and put on one big four barrel because it actually ran better. Um, but, and these cars weren't perfect, but they were pretty good and pretty phenomenal collection. So that was kind of fun. And then Florida is kind of weird because, well, especially where I am in Englewood, Florida,
2: Florida, weird.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, it seems like every older guy in Florida has a pickup truck and a Corvette. And there is a lot of Corvettes on the road of various vintages. and.
2: You can yeah, do it down there. You, you can't can, do it up here.
1: Yeah, And the roads are, the worst road in Florida, the worst road near me is a road called Winchester. And it is better than most roads around here. And people complain about, oh, my God, I don't, don't believe how bad this road is. And it's not bad, and they're 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 the locals are upset because they've been taking a while to get around to repaving it. I'm like, I don't know, it's not bad to me, but so you can drive a car like that year round and comfortably. And then there's a lot of there was a um, I was getting gas one night. There was a '70 Chevelle, big engine, 454, modified dual exhaust came out in front of the rear wheels. There's no state inspection, so yes, you still can get pulled over for stupid stuff like loud exhaust and all that but you don't necessarily have to follow the rules as stringently as you do around here like tailpipes don't have to come out where tailpipes were supposed to and all that kind of stuff but I kind of saw this car sitting there and I kind of looked at it and I said to the guy hey pretty pretty nice car and he goes yeah it's my everyday car I'm like all right and then there was a uh, there was a a Ford Fairlane probably like a 58 And it had Missouri plates on it or something. A guy used it to go to the hardware store. And I'm like, he said, oh, yeah, I keep it down here. He said, it's kind of a fun car to drive around and do errands with. And so you see these kind of, the car culture is actually pretty interesting in Florida. And I didn't think it would be as much on the West Coast. You know, this isn't East Coast Daytona where the car culture is a lot more kind of entrenched because of the old-time Daytona. But, um it was, it was uh, so it was good. It was good. And this is only the second time ever in all my working years. I've taken two weeks together off. And uh, I've, it's kind of nice because as I left on Thursday night to get there on Friday or be there for Friday. And I got there Thursday night. And, uh, you know, as the week started to roll on and it was Thursday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, the next week, I'm like, I still have another week. That was pretty nice. And then I came back to work yesterday and felt like I had never left. So
2: so but you I worked one day this week.
1: I did. I had a one-day work. Well, and I answered a lot of emails and talked to the folks here at the radio station a few times, talked to people at work a few times. So there was some of that going on. So I wasn't completely unplugged from everything. And then, of course, you know, trying to get stuff with the radio station. I am glad that on the first Saturday where we had some technical difficulties with computers and all of that sort of stuff, that I actually did have a couple of pre-recorded interviews, which let you be able to work with Matt and get stuff fixed up and working, so that was good. That was good. Yeah, so it was all good. So um, glad to be back. Am I? Am I glad to be back? Not sure. Oh, yeah, of course I am. Um, And then last night was a wild night. Uh, my power went out. Uh, um, I haven't heard anything my power went out on uh, I don't know, probably about seven thirty last night. Came back on around quarter to six this morning, and I know t- I was. I wanted to uh, stop and get gas on the way here, because uh, today is the testing day for the official winter vehicle of New England, where we go to an undisclosed location, and talk about cars and eat food and drive cars and talk about what would be the best cars for winter. And uh, the car I'm bringing had about half a tank of gas in it. So I said, I'll top off the gas tank before I head there and uh, took three gas. I actually got gas at the stop and shop in Quincy here because uh, on my way from uh, from Abington to here, Uh, a lot of the gas stations were closed due to computer issues. Because their computers didn't come up after all the power outages. So it was,
2: uh, what you looking at? I just got a call saying that there's something wrong with the stream. So I'm sending a text to probably,
1: I mean, I don't know if the power went out here overnight.
2: Maybe, maybe.
1: Yeah. So it's entirely possible. Um, because we had, like I said, we had the power out for about 12 hours, almost 10 hours, I guess. Um, so the power was out for quite a while, and um, I know some things in my house didn't come back to the way they should. Uh, I did finally, I think I mentioned this last week, that I bought an old, older Volkswagen that I hadn't seen, and I did get to see it in the light on, Friday, on Thursday, and I did get to see it in the light this morning. It's not quite as good as I remember it looking. Um, what was that the car that I bought oh <laughs> yeah it doesn't look quite as good as I hoped uh, but we'll see Um, yesterday I did have the opportunity to uh, I was I got a call from uh, the folks at a PR agency about the new Cadillac Escalade and I did have the opportunity to do a uh Recorded interview with somebody from Cadillac about the 2021 Escalade. Dennis, you ready for this? Yes, I just—I okay. just had to. Get I know, my I know, up. I <laughs> know you had to. I know you had to. I was just seeing if you were ready, and I had the chance. And uh, it's a—it's a little bit of—it's a recording, so it's a little bit uneven. Dennis will do his best to play with it as it's going along. Yeah, I'll do what I can. I know. But I had the opportunity to talk with David Schiavone. He is a Cadillac Escalade product manager. And my question to David was the 2021 Escalade is completely redesigned with technology you would find more in your living room than behind the windshield. And he said.
0: We do. We, We have a lot of groundbreaking technology in this generation Escalade. And we'd start right with the cluster. It's an OLED cluster. It's the first curved OLED screen in the industry, and it is over 38 inches long. And it's all a horizontal layout, beautifully integrated into the IP. And there's three different screens to show you almost anything you could possibly ask for in those screens. That's where I'd start.
3: And my producer just recently bought a OLED television, and he tells me it's like looking out the window, the quality is so good. So is that what people are going to see when they, when they see the, the instrument cluster of the 2021 Escalade?
0: That's exactly what they're going to see, because this has twice the pixel density of a 4K television and because it's OLED it gives you the truest black so black is black it's not gray it is black and it gives you the most brilliant colors that you could have in the in the automotive industry so it it is spectacular and coupled that with just the graphics that are laid out into it it'll it'll be a thrill to drive
3: now one of the concerns of course always is as you make the dash and the instrument panel more intriguing it uh, people tend to maybe take their eyes off the road a little bit. What kind of consideration was given to try to minimize distraction while still having a beautiful display? Uh,
0: that is a great question, and a couple things. So, with the system, the way it's designed, it is all at eye level. Um, you would see in some of the competitors, you have to look way down to see what's going on, where it's taking their eyes off the road. This is all at a normal cluster level, and. The way you access it, are it's touch, but then you could also use steering wheel controls or a, a multifunction controller in the middle of the console. And we also have a head-up display. So, I mean, you can keep your eyes down on the road. So we, we've, we've got that covered, and, and we're excited about it.
3: Now, I was reading the news release, and I saw something about an augmented reality enabled navigation with a live forward view camera. Can you give me a little bit of information on what that is?
0: Yeah, so what we're able to do is the center screen of our OLED is 14 inches in diagonal, 14 inches long, right? Mm-hmm. And what we have is a forward camera that we actually take, we put it in that whole cluster, so it's over 14 inches, and it, you're looking exactly what's in front of you, so the, the road, the intersection, the cars that are in front of you is displayed in there, So if you've got a navigational route, it'll put arrows like here's the left turn and you actually see that arrow right in front of you in the intersection down the road that you're looking at. Or if you're on the highway and, you know, it's five, six lanes long and two of them are going left and two of them are going right, it'll put a pin drop, let you know which lane you should be in because, you know, in two miles you're going to be getting off the highway onto another road. So it shows it right in front of you. And, what's, and what we couple with that, which is really exciting, we have a new audio system from AKG. AKG it's their first endeavor in the automotive world. They are a high performance, high fidelity um, studio company that we're using. And with their system, we call it uh, navigation rendering. And when you have a route in and you've got a turn coming up on the right when you're two miles out or so, it'll it'll be really quiet, and it'll say, turn right in two miles. And then you'll get closer, maybe a mile, and it gets louder, and it's still on the right. And then when it's, when it's right in front of you, it'll even get louder. And if you weren't paying attention and you missed the turn, it comes in the rear speakers on the right and says, you missed your turn. So it, it, it's just great technology all coupling together to help you get to where you're going.
3: Yeah, it's it sounds really amazing when you when you think about that, and also you know based on the fact like you just said, you know you're driving down the road and it says take a left turn, and it actually shows you, you know, a picture of the Sunoco station that you're supposed to take the left turn at. So it makes it a lot clearer and seems like a lot less uh, a lot less distracting. And and as good as navigation is, sometimes it can be a little bit distracting. You do miss a turn, so this is really helping now the The um, escalate over the years has been one of the most stylish and stylized uh, full-size luxury SUVs on the market. Um, what have you done to you know set it aside from the um, the luxury competition that's out there?
0: Well, uh, truly, the styling on the exterior and the interior. Is spectacular on this one. So uh, about two years ago, Cadillac came out with a concept vehicle called the Escala, which got great reviews. And we took that design and we it, and scaled it up to a full-size SUV. So the Escala was a um, a sport sedan, a long luxury sports sedan, and we scaled it to this SUV. And it's it's gorgeous. I would tell you it is the pinnacle from concept to all, wheels on the road where we were able to really just take the concept and build it just like everybody saw it. So it has beautiful styling, horizontal headlamps, and great detail. That's what really sets the styling off this time around, is it's obsessive detailing that you don't even see the first or second time you look at it, but maybe the third time where you see all the graphics that are inlaid in the headlamp or your daytime running lamp and stuff like that.
3: So really, really bringing Cadillac back to the the premium luxury car that when people, you know, kind of joked about, you know, you have Cadillac style, um, you know, 15 or 20 years ago that was a little bit lacking, but it sounds like with this new Escalade, it really is bringing Cadillac um, as both with the Escalade and the Cadillac mark itself, really setting it Really, really setting the bar very high for uh, Cadillac and uh, the Escalade and the rest of the rest of the Cadillac lineup.
0: Well, Cadillac and Escalade have been about bold, powerful styling and groundbreaking innovation, and and this Escalade is going to deliver on those promises.
3: And when are people going to? When you know this is the announcement of the twenty twenty one, so obviously you know not out quite yet. But when will people start to? Uh, get a little bit more of a hint about the 2021 Escalade, and when will they actually get to see it in the showroom floors?
0: Well, I would suggest your listeners just go to Cadillac.com, where we have uh, images and a lot of information about the new Escalade. And then uh, later this fall, it will actually be out on the road.
3: And is there pricing announced for it yet?
0: There hasn't been any pricing announced yet, but uh, we are targeting carryover-based pricing. Oh, wow. Oh,
3: that's, that's great to see. And as far as um, engine and performance, anything, anything uh, new and different coming out that you can talk about uh, under the hood of the car yet? Or is it still a little too early?
0: Yeah. Let, let me start with the hood, and then I'll tell you about the chassis. So we have a 6.2-liter uh, a V8 gas engine, and it delivers 420 horsepower, 460 pound-feet of torque. So it's a 0 to 60 in 5.8 seconds. So, that is great performance. I was, was uh, going to say, let's, stop, let's
3: stop there for a minute. We're talking about a, a huge vehicle, massive weight, and it goes from zero to sixty in under five and a half
0: seconds. Uh, 5.8 seconds. Okay, yep. under six seconds. So, phenomenal,
3: phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal performance, uh, from, uh, for, uh, from an SUV. Uh, yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, it is. And we'll also be offering a 3.0 liter diesel engine. That will be a first for the Escalade. So those those customers who want everything about Escalade and want a little more uh, fuel efficiency, we're going to deliver on that one now. So the the other parts I wanted to tell you about that are really exciting is we went to an independent rear suspension this generation. We put an ELSD on here. And we've added four-corner air. So some of those are optional. Some of them are standard. But Mm -hmm. the the ride, we're taking the ride to the next level. And um, this magnetic ride control Cadillac has had for a while now, we're into our fourth generation, and it's even faster. It's, It's the fastest system in the industry. It's one of those where when you're driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour, it's reading every inch of the road and adjusting the suspension tuning for the best ride you can have. That's what that system does. And now on top of that, we're adding um, adaptive air ride. It's an air suspension that gives you even better isolation from the road. So the, the coupling is going to be a ride subline.
3: Well, it's, it sounds phenomenal, although I will let you know, you, you know, you have your work cut out for you with the Roads here in New England, they are less than optimal, but maybe, maybe this is exactly what the luxury buyer needs here in New England with uh, the condition of some of our roads. So it sounds, it sounds, uh, you know, certainly well put together. And, you know, you, you've described it as, um, you know, even though it's a, it's a big SUV with big performance, it also sounds like it's uh, it's it's almost, to some extent, almost like a driver's car, too, it's something that you get behind the wheel, and you can, you know, between the power, the power, performance, and the handling, sounds like it would be uh, kind of fun to drive as well.
0: Well, well it is, right? And to, to what you just laid out, you're spot on. With our new OLED cluster, over 38 inches, you got Super Cruise that you can just let the car just take you to your destination. Our new AKG sound system. You could just get to your destination in total comfort, relaxation, listening to your favorite tunes.
3: Oh, well, it, it sounds, it sounds like quite a package and, uh, you know, sounds like it's certainly going to be fun to drive and I can't wait to, uh, maybe get a chance behind the wheel with it. So I want to thank you for taking a little bit of, uh, time out of your day and joining us here and, uh, um, you know, uh, in, enjoy the weekend.
0: Great. Thanks so much for having me.
3: All right. All right. Take care. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye.
1: That was David Schiavone. He is the Cadillac Escalade product manager. And I kind of did that interview for Joe Lagotti. Joe Lagotti's an Escalade guy, you know, so. Kind of did it a little for him. Why don't we take a quick break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Phone lines are wide open if you would like to join us at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back.
0: I was taking a trip out to L.A., months. To-
1: And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM nine fifty WROL, the Spireto Boston one hundred point three FM, or if you're trying to listen on the stream, Dennis is going to try to fix it. Well, maybe. We're
2: going to try. We're going to try. We'll do that. We'll get something,
1: it. We'll There's something with the stream. But right now, why don't we go to uh, Peter in Yarmouth, and we'll let Dennis go fix stuff or whatever he does. <laughs> round, so
4: round. I love that. I love that bell. Round two.
1: Round two. Yeah. Yes. All uh, right. What's going on, Peter? yeah, it's out here in Yarmouth. You got power gotcha. on in Yarmouth? You bet. Yeah, bet we do. Anything blow up? Yeah. Anything blow down in Yarmouth? Ah, uh, well,
4: just a uh, just a couple of shacks and uh, you know uh, a bunch uh, a bunch of tree limbs. Nothing every time. Nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing that bad. Okay. It was gusty. It was gusty. So yeah you know, yeah I guess it wasn't, I, it wasn't a steady hurricane wind
1: yeah I, I got a uh, I got got kind of an interesting call from uh, from uh, uh, friend of mine at the uh, Dennis fire department and I saw I, I, well, it was a message and it said, what's your address? And I'm like, uh oh, uh oh. What do you mean? What's my address? And, uh,
5: well, that, and that gives you a couple options. Yeah,
1: and I and I said to him, "Why? What's going on?" He says, "Oh, it's a, it's a mess down here." He said, "We got about 28 calls right now of people with power out and damage and all kinds of stuff." But uh, oh, well, it, a real yeah.
4: big mess. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, compared compared to you know. Other towns, you know. I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. For, it's a big deal for Dennis, but well, it's
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it was during that tornado last year. You guys in Yarmouth lost what the roof of a hotel, right? Yeah,
4: and I was there at the time. Um, yeah, actually, that did happen. and yeah. they were quick yeah. to quick to replace that. Yeah, went right. Out. Well, that was last July. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was an oddball thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, that
4: that, uh, that thing did did bring down a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, that uh, and it. Uh, I have a I have a video camera at my house, and uh, and you know, I, you know, I have a little tiny cottage on the Cape, and I have a little video camera that kind of keeps an eye on the house for me, and uh, I could see the next street over the funnel cloud. Sort of landed in the next street over from me, and then the yeah, right. then cable went out, so then I couldn't see it. But you could see all of a sudden it got dark and windy and rainy and darker and darker, and all of a sudden you saw this little V-shaped cloud just appear, and then uh, then the power went out, and then a whole bunch of trees came down. So anyway, okay, enough 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 talk about the weather. What's going on, Peter?
4: Well, I don't know. I I hope you're going to say that. You know that you have you have good. um Footage of an of an event.
1: Well, I I did save it, but you know it does it didn't it didn't show trees getting blown down, but it did look kind of interesting though. So well, yeah. at least your place is still there. It is, it is. So it's uh you know, and I kind of mm-hmm. go back to I kind of go back to stuff like you know the you know the the little cottage has been there since the sixties, and you know I hope it yeah. I hope yeah. it stays there. You well, know I hope well, it stays there a few see years. Seen, uh,
4: you see any wild debris blowing on your? On your
1: little camera, uh, it was. It's just some smaller branches and stuff, but that's really about it. So I think yeah. the real stuff happened as the as as cable. It, well, I, I should say that it, it all was good until the tree in front of my house came down and took down the power lines and the cable and stuff. So, and then yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then
1: and then uh, then whoever we have for electricity down there. Not National Grid. The other guys, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they came over. Eversource. They, Eversource. Yeah, they came over and cut up the tree, and 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 hooked the electricity back up, and uh, and and left the tree in my front yard, which was awful. Which was nice of them because I already called a guy to see about cutting the tree down, and he told me it was going to be like twenty five hundred bucks. And uh, you know, after Eversource did their work, um, I just ended up. Uh, getting rid of what had what they cut up, and it was uh, it was like three hundred bucks. It was a whole lot cheaper. So um, you know uh, they did you d- save any 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 uh, firewood? Yeah, it was all pine. Mm. It was all pine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's only that's only. Well, so you, didn't, that's, you didn't bother to get out there with your chainsaw. Did you? I well, uh, my whole problem was I ha- well I di- i I borrowed a gas chainsaw and I have an electric chainsaw and I cut up some of it to save for firewood for outside you know around the chimney a thing and uh but other than that i didn't save a lot of it i figured it's going in the chipper let it let it become mulch somewhere
4: right yeah there you go well we were lucky um with that july event yep. um but now uh, we had to drag a bunch of limbs and stuff yep. out to the front yard
1: yep and,
4: you know, yep yep no Hired my neighbor who happens to be a a very good landscaper sure. you know, just uh you had the wood chipper and all that crap, you know. And just get rid of it. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. All right. You know, hey, John. Uh, I have kind of a simple question all for right. you, but I was—I just called Napa and, uh, um, you know, It's about uh, a friend of mine's CRV. It's a, okay. It's a—it's an oldie. It's a 2005. All right. And it, and it has only 100 and well, I say only, but 107,000 on it. It's, you know, for a car that old. That's it, right. That's right. Everything, is, everything it runs yeah, great. Right. It
3: mm-hmm. runs great.
4: The old 2.4 liter yep. motor. Yep. Uh, all right. All um, right. A question about fuel filter. Okay. All right. Um, she um, is, well, wondering if the car needs a tune-up. Well, I don't think it does. I mean, I've I I replaced the spark plugs and, uh, you know, the air filter. But... I'm, I'm, I wanted to ask you, because of your, your years of experience with a 2005 CRV, uh, I'm wondering, um, do I need to be concerned about the fuel filter, which apparently is part of the, the fuel pump?
1: Yep, it is. Yeah, You're right. is. You're Is it in the gas tank? No, it's in the gas tank. you got to take yeah. the gas tank out. And, right. uh, you know, based on that, I would say it can stay there for the rest of its life unless unless you said to me um, yeah. it feels like it's running out of gas like I drive it along uh-huh. and all of a sudden it feels like it's running out of gas and then it kind of catches up yep. with itself and then you had yep. somebody then you had somebody put a um, a fuel a, a fuel uh, pressure tester on there and you said uh, you said, well, uh, you know, I, I looked at the fuel pressure, and the fuel pressure isn't what it should be. And then, if that was the case, then you'd say, uh, well, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll do the fuel filter. And well, if I'm gonna do the fuel filter, I might as well do the fuel pump at the same time and get them both, get them both done and out of the way. Right. But, but at this point, unless unless you knew that there was a bunch of junk that ended up in the gas tank, I wouldn't, right, worry, right, I wouldn't right. worry about it. I'd leave no, it. All right. Yeah. No. Well, I'd leave yeah, it there. That's the old, um, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Oh, well, if it isn't broke, don't break it. Is more yeah, exactly. Because, because, uh, well, all right now. Because um, if you if you wanted to replace that, like I said, it's part of the it's part of the it's part of the fuel pump. So you it's it doesn't make it easy to replace and you would buy you would buy a fuel pump to replace the fuel filter and you spend $500 plus labor. That would be-
4: is that yeah. about
1: what they cost? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a yeah. Honda, for a hundred uh, well, part, yeah. Since you used,
4: since you used to be an ace mechanic and you still are, but how long does it take to do a job like
1: that? Um, well, it's it's probably an hour and a half or so to get the gas tank out, and then another, right. then another half an hour to take the fuel pump out of the gas tank. So I wouldn't bother. I would no, unless no you have you. unless you were having some kind of problem with it. I wouldn't worry about it.
4: No, there's no problem. Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder. You know, um, well, is it more like <laughs> is the filter the fuel filter more like some kind of strainer? Um, yeah, but what happens when that thing gets uh, you know from you, uh, hundreds of thousands of miles? You know, I mean, what if uh, an event, day, what if eventually? By the way, uh, do you do you think this engine could last three hundred thousand? It's a two a two point four liter. Honda. Uh, it wouldn't. Yeah. It
1: wouldn't be the. It wouldn't be the first one to last two hundred thousand. So no. I mean, yeah. Could it last two hundred? Sure. Why not? You know yeah, what's gonna. Right. What's yeah. gonna more hurt this car is just rust.
4: Well. Yeah. And it was it that maybe I got a. Uh, we got a good one that was built on the right day.
1: Yeah. Um,
4: um, yeah. I mean, you know, Honda, uh, why? Why does? Why does some engines last? You know, even if you're religious about changing the oil and all that business, taking care of it. Why some go 200, why others go 300?
1: Yeah, some of it's just, some of it's inherent in, you know, sometimes engines just have a problem. And, yeah. you know, and the problems start to show up at 75, 80, 100, and 150,000 miles. But, you know, right. car manufacturers in general test all their products to about 175,000 miles. That's their equivalent. All right. So, all right. you know, this point.
4: Yeah. At that point, what? The, the, uh, at that point, yeah, got to think about replacing the valves uh, and the. Rail, yeah, well, I mean,
1: at one hundred and seventy-five thousand miles, it's not that you're on borrowed time. At one hundred and seventy-five thousand miles, you're on, you're coasting at that point. You know, they they said this is what we think. This is what we think the car will do, and yeah. it did that. And the rest of it's up uh-huh. to you. The rest of it's up to you at that point. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah, I got it. All, All right. right. All right, you take care of yourself, Peter. All right, watch out for fallen tree branches.
4: All right. I'm wearing my my motorcycle helmet. There you go. I I would wear it
1: all the time if I were you. All right, take care, Peter. (laughs) Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to uh, Michael and hang him. Mike, good morning.
5: Hello, Dr. How are you? Good, how are you? Very good. Thanks. Uh, quick question for you. Are, you: are you running Lucas transmitters and associated electronics over there? Uh, yes.
1: Yes. They, they 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 stop working. They stop working when it gets dark, windy,
5: rainy. Um, <laughs> just, just like my MGA, right? Just like my MGA. Yeah. Yeah. You like know darkness.
1: what? You know what? Isn't that what they say about? Uh, um, you know, Lucas makes the refrigerators in England. That's why they drink warm beer.
5: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, I just want to give you a call and congratulate you and your team on something I'm sure you know is coming up on February 23rd, the hands-free blog. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it is. In fact, we're having a little press conference at our AAA office in Rockland uh, next Friday morning, I think around 10 o'clock or 10.30, something like that, and... uh, at the AAA, actually, it's either going to be at the office or at the driving school location right next door to the office, right at 900 Hingham Street in Rockland. Where um, I don't know who's coming—some dignitaries, the, the acting registrar of motor vehicles, and some other people—and uh, we're going to talk about the uh, talk about the hands-free hands-free law, and we're going to set up a couple little demonstrations about what you can do and what you can't do. And it's pretty simple—you can't drive around with your phone in your hand. And, uh, is that
5: open to the public? Is that open? Yeah, to the public? I am. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, sure. I'm yeah. right down the street. Maybe I'll come by and yeah. bring you a donut. There you go. There you go. But, I, but yeah. Congratulations! I'd I, be interesting how that works. I think there's going to be some sort of a period where they're going to be a little lenient. Uh, well, early, it, but uh, it, it,
1: it's kind of it, well. That's the way it's. What What happens is, it got when the governor signed it. It immediately went into effect. The problem is, it 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 isn't. Enforceable until ninety days after that, so it really I technically it doesn't go into effect until April, a, a, a middle of March, I guess, something like that. Okay, so, okay. So, um, and then it, and the fines, the fines are actually pretty substantial. I think it's a hundred bucks for the first time, two fifty or or three hundred for the second time, and five hundred for the third time. And after the second time, I think they're requiring you to take some kind of class to. You know, to show you the error of your ways or something. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work yet. Does but it go on your insurance? Uh, good question. Sure. I, I, would, yeah. think, I would think I mean, so, it's a yeah. Violation. It's a moving violation, so it should. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, um, but it might not it might not they might have not put it as a moving violation but but the point is you know you drive down the road and i yesterday i was coming home from work and it was just dark enough where you could see people's faces lit up with their phones and yep. even worse is the people Rhode Island's had a hands-free law for a while now and when i'm leaving Rhode Island and i look and people's eyes are in their lap because they have their phone, you know, sitting on their knee or something, and they're looking at yep. their phone. And and the technology now, I mean, as much as I like 4G and 5G coming up, you know, I see these people with their phones set up, and they're doing they're doing FaceTime and, and live streaming and Skype and all this stuff, and they're staring at them. It's bad enough they're talking to the person on the phone. Now they're staring at the person on the phone. <laughs> you know, so, you know, hopefully it does away with a lot of that stuff.
5: Well, it cost me. I got rid of my Miata because of that. I got tired of getting run off of the road. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Most dangerous person on the road, a left-hand driver in an SUV. Think about it. Yeah. They, can't. they never look up that left-hand window. No, nope. It cost it. But congratulations on all well, thank your hard you. work to get that done. Okay? And I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. Maybe I'll see you Friday. All right. I'll be there. All, all, right. Right. all right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Yeah, I think because it's Valentine's Day, it's like, uh, I forget the, the exact quote of the news release, you know. Uh, Love someone? Put your phone down or something. I don't know. Some somebody tried to be a little bit cute. So, yeah. But but I, you know, will it help the law-abiding people that put their seatbelts on when they're supposed to? I think will put their phones down, and that will help the people that don't don't. And hopefully, the police now. the The problem with before was the police would. Look at somebody with their phone, and if they pulled them over, they go, I wasn't texting, or I wasn't, you know, I was, uh, I was just looking for somebody's phone number, which technically was legal. Um, I, and I will say the one thing that bothers me a little bit, only because this is just me being selfish. Occasionally when I'm driving, I do like to take a picture of something. So if I see an odd car, truck, something weird,
2: I'm like, well. So this I-? is what's going to happen. All right, You're going to see all these people It's going to be hands free But they're going to have it all on the dash now Yep Like a lot of people have it already Mm -hmm. And you're still going to be able to Take a picture There's going to be something that They they
1: allow you to touch your phone once
2: Right So you'll be able to take your your picture
1: So you can say You can say Hey Siri Take a picture
2: And does it come up? Because I don't want a picture right now (laughs) (laughs) Take a picture well it tries yeah yeah you know, so you'll be able to get it you'll yeah. be able to get it up and then you'll be able yeah. to and touch it once, touch it once well, yeah. and get your picture yeah. taken and you the, yeah and huh. it, does it wonder how many people's phones just went boop <laughs> mine did not <laughs> um did does the law though this is what i was going to ask because of this because people will have it on their dashboard mm-hmm. and be able to well yep. if the if the if the police sees video on it will that is that illegal or well it?
1: Currently, right now, the law says that you cannot, say, like, watch television while you drive.
2: I see people doing it all the I time. I know.
1: I know. So, um, I don't know. Well, you know, if if it, and this is radio, so you can't tell, but if it does away with this, somebody with the phone in their hand and both fingers going like crazy That's and looking at the their battle. phone, if it does away with that, I'm pretty happy. It's half the battle. I know. I know. So... Do you ever have Hot Wheels?
2: I did. Do you still have them? Um, no, no. I moved too many times. No.
1: Well, a rare a rare Hot Wheels car was discovered by America's toy scout Joe McGee. I don't know America's toy scout Joe McGee, but a prototype car now worth upwards of one hundred thousand dollars is the only redline enamel white. Hong Kong version car ever to be discovered considered the holy grail of Hot Wheels collectibles. Um, this comes out of West Palm Beach, Florida. One of the rarest finds in toy collector history was discovered by America's toy scout, Joe McGee, Joel McGee. A Hot Wheels Camaro dating 1968 and verified as the first Hong Kong enamel white example ever Found was acquired by McGee and now stands alone as the only one in the world. A white prototype Camaro is three of the most desirable red, wheels, red line Hot Wheels collectible cars in the world. Found in a set of several other Hot Wheels cars, it wasn't until Joe examined the collection and consulted Hot Wheels experts that he was able to confirm that it was the lone white Camaro. In fact, it was the rarest of the rare, the white Prototype custom Camaro Hot Wheels car was one of 16 original models produced by Mattel. The enamel white variant is a prototype because with all the new cars, designers would coat them with enamel white coat to check for imperfections. Uh, Only a few were known to be mistakenly packaged and released to retailers. The car is extremely rare to find at all, let alone in good condition. This is the third rarest Hot Wheels car and the only one believed to exist. The Beach Bomb and the Olds 442 are the only other rare Hot Wheels on the level with the white enamel Hong Kong Camaro. He says, I've collected toys forever, and this Hot Wheels Camaro is the holy grail of collectibles. I'm beyond excited to have found it and added to my vast collection The car is extremely rare. There is only one known example which this is the one, imagine something originally sold for 59 cents, being worth upwards to $100,000. Um, Joel McGee has uh, made toys his life. He's a regular on Pawn Stars, in case you've ever seen him before. So, um, But anyway, he uh, McGee boasts to have the rarest toy collection in the world as a young child he spotted a G.I. Joe lunchbox during a trip to a local flea market. McGee knew his quest and uh, the rare Hot Wheels will be added to McGee's rare collection of toys and will tour with him throughout the country at upcoming toy fairs, meteor appearances, and so forth. Uh, but if you, go- if you Google Joel McGee Hot Wheels, you can find the YouTube video if you're that interested and know all about it. Let's talk to uh, Don in Georgia. Good morning, Don.
6: Yes, good morning. I kind of missed what you said last week because of how I listened to you. I asked about when you, on oh my Dodge Caravan 07, uh, after filling up, it hesitates and stumbles, and I missed the part where you gave the description of what's someplace in the engine
4: compartment.
1: Yeah, it, it's, um, it's probably related to the EVAP valve, which is a valve that connects from the gas tank, through this valve. It's got a vacuum line and a hose on it, and it goes to probably eventually down to the charcoal canister that's mounted somewhere in there. And in most cases, the evap valve is located somewhere in the engine compartment. Um, what year did you say this was again? Oh, let's see.
6: 07. Oh, it's a seven. standard 3.3.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can find. Uh, let's see. Well, well, we're doing that. And. Uh, it's a, um, but that's what happens is the, 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 the liquid vapor that, um, when you fill up with gases, fumes that get pushed out of the gas tank and those, and when you shut the car off, this valve is supposed to shut off. So you don't force all this extra gas vapor into mm-hmm. the, into the intake manifold. And that's, that makes it, makes it not want to run right. So, um, what happens is the um, it may be made into the uh, canister itself or it may be a separate valve Um, in um, so yeah it probably it might be made right into the into the charcoal canister itself which is which in yours there's there's three parts there's a there's a valve a canister and a front canister, and chances are it's the vent valve, which is the thing that, which is the thing that controls um, whether this thing turns on or off or not. So it's it's more than likely that because what I'm envisioning is you go to get gas, you fill the gas tank up, and it actually. Forces it could even force some liquid fuel up into the engine, so it basically floods the engine. So you go to start the car and mm. it crank crank, 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 crank until it finally starts up. And then it takes a minute for the plugs to clear, so it, it runs kind of lousy for a little bit and then it straightens out. And you're like, What was that all about? And then it runs good until the next time you fill the gas tank. Is that about what it does? Oh, well, I, yeah. Uh, it
6: doesn't stall out, though. It comes close. Yeah, it comes close. Okay. A time before, you know, way earlier before that about a fuel pump, and uh, it cranks. And if you don't let the pump run to build up pressure, uh, it doesn't start right away. Mm. So it was losing pressure. Couldn't yep. figure out what that was. but figured, okay, 120,000 miles just turned. Might as well just put a new fuel pump yep. in. And yep. Last week you said... Put a good one in which yeah, I agree. Yeah. Once full gas tank. Yeah. Uh it's not a great yep. truck. Yeah, but the the car.
1: uh the um the vent valve is mounted, you know, if you look under the car you'll see this thing, you'll see this kind of square rectangular looking box with a couple of good sized mm-hmm. hoses attached to it. And next to it you'll see this little valve uh I don't know how to describe it, kind of round with a vacuum hose going to the top of it and a big hose coming off the bottom of it. And that's what and, – and what should – might be one other hose on top of that. So what should happen is when the, when the engine shuts off, it, the, it loses vacuum, it shuts the valve, and it shuts off fuel that goes to – and it's not fuel like in the fuel line. It's fuel vapor. So it shuts off fuel and fuel right. vapor. And so I would guess, i would guess you know, based on what you describe, I would guess it's this vent valve.
3: Hmm.
6: Okay. I, I will, while I'm underneath there, and check it out yep. and all the rest. Yeah. You, know, you only want to do these things one time. Jack it up once, and, you know, it's not a great job. But, you know, yeah. you can't break down on the road because you're at the mercy of, Whoever, yep. And uh, you're gonna take care of these. There things. is
1: there is there's a rear evap canister and a front evap canister and um, the uh and the vent valve is at the front evap canister, I believe. So but um but take a look, you'll see it. And you might even be able to pull one of the vacuum lines off and you might even see liquid fuel come out of it. And if you know that's the case you know the valve is bad. Uh
6: uh-huh. It's sold separately, it's not sold as a unit. Separately.
1: Um I think it is. I think so, it's sold separately. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look so, that up. But you know, look look on you know one of the online parts sites like Rock Auto or something, and see if they have. It, see if they show it separate. Okay, evaporative valve. Yeah, e- e- valve. evap canister. Um, it's the evap canister. Sometimes referred to when it's called the vent valve.
4: Okay. Okay. Great as usual. All right. Thank Thank thanks, Don. Much, All right.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Our buddy Paul in uh, Braintree sent me a link to a story about um, an engineer, Ben J. Smith, who died last month at the age of 97, and he made a career out of innovation and taking chances while at Ford and other automakers. Most people probably Peter in Salem, knows him as the guy who invented the Ford Skyliner. Uh, he's the last of those guys who really, and the story was uh, written by, uh, uh, what's his name, Rich Lentinello from Hemmings. He said he's um, the last of those guys who really made an impact on the auto industry, said Smith's uh, son David. Very few guys did what he did, and I don't know if you can really find people like that again. Ben Smith went to work for Ford in 1940 at the age of 18. As an aircraft parts inspector, wood pattern maker, tool and die appearance, uh, apprentice, and then according to the book Skyliner, the birth of the retractable, uh, he stayed out of World War II on a deferment while he attended what later became the Henry Ford Community College. An acquaintance reported him to the draft board. So he foolishly said, "I want to go in." And he enlisted in the Navy in 1944. He said in an interview with Hemmings Classic Cars in 2005, the stint lasted 17 months. After which he returned to Ford to work on the company's light car program as a chassis draftsman. He assigned the task of designing clutch and brake systems, and he decided to hang them from the firewall rather than stick them uh, up through the floor. He didn't know how to how he didn't know how how to do it through the floor he said so while a supervisor reported gave him heat for the design he said hey uh through the floor is the wrong way to go we just did it and that was a different time and era then in 1949 smith left ford for nash where he worked on the rambler eh, probably wasn't the best move um, but he uh, claimed that people at nash didn't like people who came over from the big three so they put me in my place for a couple months by heavily criticizing his detail and printing work. No, not long after that, he departed for the Fisher Body Division of General Motors. He switched from chassis design and claims to have uh, originated the wraparound windshield as part of his work on hard tops and convertible tops. Due in part to the latter area of work, Ford's Howie Cop uh, and John Hollowell uh, were later responsible for retractable development program, recruited Smith away from GM to work on Gil Spears' idea of a retractable hardtop for the upcoming Continental Mark II project. Hollowell, a fellow Navy veteran and cop's brother-in-law, knew Smith from the light car program, but because of the secrecy around the program, couldn't tell Smith what he was doing while trying to recruit him. All that secrecy at the car bankers. Um, it took four or five meetings before the full disclosure, intrigued by the idea of being one of the engineers, and then he, uh, after working out the linkages and electric motors to power the retractable hardtop, Smith and Hollowell deployed part of their $2.19 million budget to order two mechanical prototypes, and uh, I guess they went through it all, and the retractable hardtop Lincoln uh, didn't lead to production, but that was the Mark II, which that was a nice-looking Lincoln, but it's a pretty good story. So if you are uh, you can find it on Hemmings Motor News, you can find out more information about it. And uh, in the decades since, Smith remarried and became active with the International Ford Retractable Club. More recently, he took to traveling the country while trailering his mobile museum of his life's work. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of interesting facts, and uh, thanks to uh, Paul and Braintree for sending me that link. Good story why so, don't we take uh, well
2: what? I was gonna say talking about um, people with traveling the nation our friend the boondocker yeah what's up with him he saw that he put his he put his uh, he put his uh, his uh, I don't know what you'd call that his van. zombie zombie <laughs> his van that he lives in he lives in a van down by the river um, no um, he put his his vehicle on for sale I don't know if he sold it yet I know that the ad is taken down. Um, For like
1: 120 grand, right? Hundred
2: and nine thousand dollars. Okay. Um he wants to take a year off from traveling the US and go to Thailand. So Why? he's gonna, he wants to and he can. <laughs> <laughs> Why uh, not? Well we
1: have to have him call from Thailand.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well that might that logistics there might be a little hard to do. He can get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> It'll only be like eight o'clock at night there. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think he'd be fine. We had, we had uh, one of one of our listeners who just said we were having trouble with the stream. He called from China one day. Yes. So, uh,
2: well, hopefully, the stream is working at this yeah. point. Um, my GM went and did something, and he, it didn't work there, so I had to do a hard reboot here. No, all
1: right. So we'll so, see. Well,
2: anyway, so. Uh,
1: Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, Thailand, you know, I, one of the things, and I I have no idea Thailand or whatever, but uh, we had somebody on the show once who was selling a portable jumpstart device. And he got hooked up with one of these um, Gold Rush Rally things, and he was a partial sponsor, and that's how I got his name. But he would go to Asia and invent, not invent stuff, He would come up with ideas and then go find people and make them. And that's how he came up with this Jumpstart device. He had seen similar things before, and he coupled a whole bunch of lithium batteries together and hired a couple of engineers and built this thing and then found somebody to market it. And and different than some of the other ones, you know when you buy, like, an Apple product, the box is, the packaging is almost better than the product? Almost, yeah. Yeah, And that's... (laughs) and that's sort of what his thing was he wanted when you open the box he wanted it to look real pretty and that's kind of what he did and um then i know he was uh he had somebody make up a bunch of backpacks and he, he just kind of a serial entrepreneur and that's how the boondocker strikes me is he could be a serial entrepreneur
2: no i just think he you think he's just he just wants, he wants to travel, travel go to thailand yeah, do his thing yeah eat weird yep. food yep yeah but he's a vegan right uh, yes yeah they do that out there
1: yeah i know i was just but there's probably some stuff that wouldn't fit the diet
2: but yeah well we'll see
1: yeah no i want to hear from him from uh thailand you know and and uh, and amazingly he's learned how to make a living without an office true and good for him because i don't know how to do that I don't know how to do it with an office. But anyway, why don't we take a break, pay some bills? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, well, the spirit of Boston. We'll be
5: right back. I gave a girl.
7: I buy you a Chevrolet. I buy you a Chevrolet. Chevrolet, just give me some of your love. She said I don't want your Chevrolet. I don't want your Chevrolet. I don't want nothing in the world you got. No, you can't do nothing for me. You can't do nothing for me. I buy you a diamond ring. I buy you a diamond ring.
1: And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. I did hear the go-ahead that I will be broadcasting live from the AAA Travel Marketplace show. Oh, that's good. Yeah, at Gillette Stadium. When is that again? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen for the commercials. It's. I think it's March 7th. It's the same weekend as the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade down the Cape.
2: We may end up going there because we're doing a disney trip thing and we're trying to find the best possible deal
1: i thought i had some tickets with me and i can't find them so they're probably in the front seat of my car where they fell out or something but um but starting next week i mean you only worked one day this week so yeah i know yeah yeah (laughs) and uh and uh starting next week we'll probably give some tickets away so uh but yeah yeah that should be fun so and uh you know i have all the remote equipment i'll test it out now of after uh, after uh, three weeks of testing it, hopefully, hopefully. Well, you know, we were doing really good at the auto show until we actually went on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a little we had a little problem, but uh, but it's all good. It's all good. So you know, like like I said to uh, I don't know
2: Everything somebody was working great up until recently. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't. Well,
1: uh, technology. Technology. It had it, it. had to do with security protocols and all that sort of stuff that you have to put in place, and that made stuff so it didn't want to work right and whatever. So, um, but anyway, um, Jeep has a three-row Jeep that apparently is being seen on. You know, Jeep
2: has tried this before. Wait, wait. It has a three what? Three rows. Three rows. Okay, three I thought rows. you said three road. I'm like, um, what? Uh, <laughs> it's got three road.
1: It's got. Uh, it's got the uh, land. Uh, you know, dirt. Asphalt and water. No, no. Um, you know there was a there was a there was a bigger Jeep years ago that had three rows of seats, and it sold terribly. And it was also competitive with the Durango. I was like, well, why do I buy Jeep if I can buy Durango and it's the same thing? But um, Jeep now has uh, uh, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles CEO Mike Manley. Uh, wanted a three-row Jeep and is taking shape. Spy has captured an engineering uh, prototype uh, testing uh, out in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Manley told Britain's Auto Express last year the new three-row model will slot in the same mid-size SUV crossover as the Jeep Grand Cherokee but compete more directly with the Ford Explorer, Toyota Highlander, and Chevrolet Traverse. Roughly 60% of the segment it is is rows so Grand Cherokee has really only played in about 40%, Manley told the magazine. Jeep has not offered a three-row SUV since the Commander was dropped in 2010. That's the one I was thinking of. The new three-row SUV will be positioned alongside a redesigned Grand Cherokee, but is expected to carry a new nameplate. The prototype is based on a Grand Cherokee, but the exhaust was routed to make room for a... Um, External spare tire, and it was mounted in a three-row model under, undercarriage. The spare tire moved, uh, freed up space for the third row of seats. It'll be built at the new assembly plant. So, i have to wait and see. Um, there was a email I got uh, from our friends over at IC cars and they always they always come out with interesting little statistics about which cars hold their values the best and which ones don't and um, the, uh, the car that the car that held its value the best was um, the Tesla Model 3. Um, if you went to go buy a Tesla Model 3 and you want to try to buy it used, It only loses about 5% of its value um, versus something like a Honda Fit, which loses about 12.5% of its value. And so if you were looking for a pretty good used car with a little bit of a savings, the Honda Fit could be pretty good. If you're thinking of buying a car that would
2: hold its value, the Tesla Model 3 does pretty well. So are Teslas good cars? Because I hear great things about them, and then I hear terrible things about them, and... I just don't know if they're good cars or not. Um, they're
1: cultish. And people with cultish cars can tend to forgive their mistakes. Um, like the DeLorean. Yeah, or Subaru sometimes. Because Subaru had some issues. But people still love their Subarus. People love Sobs. Go to a Saab dealership. lifts are always busy because they're always broken. But people loved them. They loved to drive them. They handled good. They felt good. Um, the Tesla Model 3... Quality was lacking at first. It has gotten better. Um, There is a Tesla Model Y, a new little SUV that's built on the smaller platform. Um, People are kind of getting over the whole range anxiety thing, like the, you know, is it, can I drive it normally like a regular car and plug it in to recharge it? Um, With 250 or 300 miles per charge, it can do pretty well. Um, But for me... I don't have a garage. And the idea of having to have a heavy-duty charging outlet, so basically a, like an electric dryer plug or a stove plug, mounted outside my house. Which they
2: don't do, I heard.
1: Yeah. they want You can put a charging station, but it has to be kind of covered over with like a little doghouse sort of yeah. thing. So... When I've had an electric car, I have an outside outlet, and I use 110 volts to charge it up. But the idea of having the outlets kind of tucked in a corner near my back stairs, so I kind of have to bend down, which is fine on a nice sunny day. Not so fine when it's rainy and snowy, and you have to go find the plug and plug it in. And you know, And, and I don't find the idea of having to charge up an issue because I plugged my phone in last night and unplugged it when the power went out.
2: It has a problem.
1: Yeah. Um, So fortunately, we don't have a lot of power outages. Uh, The other thing that some people have gone to do is when the power goes out, they can use their Tesla battery pack to power their house. Interesting. Yeah. Then, of course, when that goes out, then you don't have a car or a house, you know, you, but yeah, you can, you can, you can run, you know, basically run the electricity from the battery pack back in through the house somehow and, and charge it up that way. So, yeah, I mean, there are, there are options and, you know, I didn't plug my laptop in because it'd been plugged in all day yesterday. So my laptop battery's charged up. I have an iPad that's charged up my phone i needed to charge up because it was dead so i mean we're we're kind of in a habit of plugging things in all the time electric toothbrush you know people plug stuff in all the time so plugging in a car is not just one more thing to plug in but it has to be done easily and is your phone new enough can you do inductive charging on your phone yes
2: So you have a little pad, you put your phone in and it charges up. Actually, I got a new desk that I put together that has one of those charging pads. I just put my phone on it. Don't even think about it the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there are ways that they're looking to do inductive charging with cars. Again, you need to have a, you know, you're not going to have a mat out in your driveway. It would have to have a garage and, you know, it would be built into the garage. So when you pull over the top of it, it magically somehow charges up your car. Don't know how, but it somehow does it. And that will make life much easier.
2: How is it in the snow? Do we know that? What do you mean? Like, handle- how do they handle in the snow? And- um,
1: like a lot of cars, you can get it in. You can get it in a dual motor version, so it's basically all wheel drive, so it handles really well. Uh, my boss had a big Tesla, rear wheel drive. After the first winter, he traded it in and bought an all wheel drive one, and his small Tesla. Which he got rid of the big one, bought a small one, technically two small ones. And I think they're both dual motors, and uh, no problem. So um, so they, 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 they do work okay. Um, but like I said, some of the quality was a little lacking in the first ones, the first Model 3s. You'd close the door, and it wouldn't close properly because it wasn't lined up quite right. Um, but I think... Um, Quality-wise, there's been some reports, but I think overall it's okay. And and I still say we're going to be, you know, at the point somewhere where electric cars are going to be more normal than different. And we're going to see more electric cars on the market. And I, I really do think they're going to take the place of – they're going to be like um, – you know standard shift cars today. You don't see very many of them, and I think eventually you're going to see lots of electric cars and not many gasoline cars. It's going to be years and years and years away. But well, you know maybe in 25 years.
2: Well, they said that about the standard about the standard transmissions. Yeah. And within a decade and a half, they were almost. Ob- I mean, they were obsolete almost yep. from the start. But right. within a decade and a half, I mean, automatic cars started really coming out. What in the 70s? Yeah. Like really coming out. Yeah. Um, and by the, by the end of the eighties, you could still get standards. They were still being made. And then by the late nineties, you weren't, it was hard pressed to even find a standard anymore. Mm.
1: Yeah. And that was, and that was sort of, and I think maybe, maybe in the interim, say you wanted to go buy a new Toyota Camry and it'll be like, uh, did you want the gasoline one? Did you want the hybrid? Did you want the plug-in hybrid or did you want the all electric? and it'll just be a series of boxes you mm-hmm. check and the price will vary based on cost and so forth. So um and then eventually what will happen is all of those you know all of those different choices will be start to narrow down when it becomes more efficient to have one or the
2: other. And I got to say since I've been with you on and off for what almost 10 years now. A long time. Um when we, when i first started and the electric cars first started coming out you were on the i don't see these ever replacing the gasoline engines mm-hmm. uh, there's too much questionability about how long they can go range and, ran, range and i can't even say it right now mm-hmm. range anxiety and here it is not even not even really 10 years later and you're saying now saying that you see them replacing gas engines because the they future.
1: all of a sudden the mileage the miles you could drive one went from 100 to 150, which was a lot. I remember when the LEAF first came out and they said it can go 100 miles between charges. And that was a big deal. Now we're seeing cars go 200. Now the new LEAF goes 268 miles between charges. And somebody just came out with some new version of electric car, 300 and change. Um, You pay for it. But I think it is a possibility. Go back to Don from Georgia for a minute. Uh, I just was looking up online at Rock Auto. Um, the vapor the vapor canister purge valve slash solenoid., uh, you can buy them online at a you know place like Rock Auto or someplace else like that for about thirty bucks. So that's where I would start with his. Um, rough running after refueling kind of place um and for $30 as much as I hate to guess that's a $30 guess I think I'd give that a shot and again not that difficult to change and for 30 bucks it's worth giving it a shot so
2: and you have a new vapor valve yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly but, you know again I hate guessing but that's symptomatically that's the symptoms so Uh, Volvo says thousands of EV pre-orders. Volvo car's first battery-powered vehicle now called the XC40 Recharge P8. Boy, doesn't that just roll off the tongue. XC40 Recharge P8 has generated several thousand firm orders globally, even through production, won't begin until the second half of the year. The automaker said last week the all-wheel drive compact crossover is expected to arrive in U.S. stores in the second half of next year. A Volvo spokesman declined to say how many of the sales orders were from U.S. customers. The EV is a modified version of the fast-selling XC40 compact SUV based on the compact modular architecture referred to in Volvo speak as CMA. And uh, the XC40 Recharge P8 uh, trades the four-cylinder engine for a 75-kilowatt battery. The EV version delivers up to 408 horsepower, can go from 0 to 60 in 4.7 seconds. Volvo estimates that it'll have an EPA-rated range of more than 200 miles. It's a little short. 200 is okay, but it's a little short. The XC40 Recharge P8 is a vanguard of the series of emissions-free models from Volvo, which uh, wants battery propelled vehicles to account for half of its global sales by 2025. Over the next five years, Volvo said it will launch a fully electric vehicle every year. Volvo's decision to base its first electric vehicle on the XC40 is strategic because it's the fastest-growing part of the market. So, EV battery prices are also a significant factor in kind of all of this as it goes around. So, the sales mix of electrified vehicles, mile hybrids, full hybrids, plug in hybrids, full battery electric vehicles will vary by market depending on fuel prices, electricity, charging prices, driving distance averages. Um, financial and non financial incentives in China have made it the leading EV market in the U.S. electric vehicle taxes. Brakes are starting to wind down for some automakers, and the other thing is the tax itself that you pay for gas doesn't apply to electrics, and that may before too, too long. Do we need to take another
2: break? No, we don't have Oh, we don't. Break. Oh, okay.
1: All right. It just seemed like we were supposed to, and
2: sometimes we do, and well, sometimes mean, we don't. We did a half an hour there we break, go. and then we there did we another go. half an hour we go. and a break, and then your show's over. Just like that. Just like that, it's over. Ninety
1: minutes goes by really quick. Um, this, this is a uh, you know. It sounds like it's we're all we're talking about is electric cars, but Hummer.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Did that on the, the Hummer
1: TV. EV. Um, General Motors' announcement last week that is bringing back the infamous gas guzzler, but is a zero emissions electron eater instead, was a reminder of that. A GM nonchalantly noted that the GMC Hummer EV pickup, set to begin production next year, will have a zero to sixty time, in three seconds. These cars are ridiculous—a thousand um, horsepower, and eleven thousand foot-pounds of torque. And how long does it last on a
2: charge? Five seconds.
1: <laughs> uh, it says uh, no automaker has made a consumer vehicle with anything close to that five-figure torque rating. Few even hit four digits. It would be, it would best the strongest pickup engine available today by more than ten times. The twenty twenty Ford Super Duty diesel is rated at about thousand foot pounds of torque. This is eleven thousand foot pounds of torque. A Bugatti supercar with its quad-turbo V16 engine makes 1,100 foot-pounds of torque. The Rivian electric pickup plan to begin production this year is rated 829 foot-pounds. Torque is a measurement of twisting motion. It's possible the GM claimed 11,000 foot-pounds of torque is accomplished with gearing and multiple motors. Could be fake. Who knows? But still, that is ridiculous, so... It's a ridiculous amount of torque. And the idea that they're going to come up with something, uh, hard to say. Ford last week uh, said it moved into phase two of its $350 million renovation of Detroit's long-abandoned Michigan Central Station, which is to become the centerpiece of the new um, R&D campus for the autumn. Maker The first phase largely involved undoing most of the damage inflicted by the elements since the last train pulled out in 1968. Numerous holes in the roof have been covered, and the 106-year-old tower began now has heat, uh, which we hear was highly desired among the uh, young talent who wants to attract it, like to have heat in there, I guess. Um in cons- Michigan, you yeah. want heat? Come on, yeah. I don't know why. And combustion crews also drain the sixth Great Lake that had accumulated in the lower floors. Apparently, the building is filled with water. We removed 65,000 gallons of water from the basement. And Jimmy Hoffa was not there, is what it says here. But many bottles were still full of whiskey that will be displayed with the other artifacts they found while redoing this building.
2: Whiskey don't go bad supposedly. I guess, I guess, um, I guess.
1: Um I found some I found some whiskey bottles. Uh my my father was a salesman for a plumbing company. My father was not a whiskey drinker. And uh he uh he said uh and people would give him people would give him uh gifts at Christmas time. And it would be, you know, the whiskey of the time, Seagram 7, Canadian Club, that sort of stuff. And uh When, uh, after my mother passed away and I sold, we sold her house, I said, and I I sold it to a house flipper. So I said, you get everything in the house. I said, except there's some liquor bottles. I just want to get them because I don't want anybody to get in trouble. Your guys coming in, cleaning the house and going, hey, look, booze and get drunk. And then somehow it's my fault. He goes, oh, I appreciate that. And they were from the 60s and they were quarts. So they weren't even fifths. They were quarts because it was pre-metric system. And some of them were, apparently, my father had some cheap friends because some of them were from uh, commissaries. So they got them with the military discount. So, um, and and every once in a while, I'd, you know, make barbecue sauce out of some of it or do something with it. I'm like, I wonder if this stuff ever goes bad. And it doesn't. So.
2: No, whiskey lasts forever.
1: Yeah, apparently it does. (gasps) Apparently it does. So, anyway, so whiskey found in a train station. Have to wait and
2: see. And, uh, yes, that sound you hear is paper that he uses all the time. Yeah. You know, the old school His, stuff. Yeah.
1: And by the way, the stream is still cutting up. Uh, I, according to Larry Rubenstein. Yeah. From I, one, of our, one of our listeners, AAA approved shop owner. Good guy. Leo's going to have to take care of it. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's stuff going on here. I don't know what's going on. There's talking and things and stuff and I don't know. But I think I bet I bet, you know, Bob Brooks is standing over there with his with his hat on.
7: Yeah, just rolled out of bed, yeah. put the hat on. I got I got I yeah. got a hat head, bed hat head head, bed head head. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Um Do you lose the power at your house at all? No. Um I live in Braintree and we have our own electric company. Yeah. It is by far the best electric company on creation. Unsolicited. In 25 years of living in Braintree, I may have lost power three times, and it's back within a half hour. I did my program from there once. From Braintree Electric. Yeah, yeah, real, yeah. Great, company. yeah yep. great. company. Yeah, very great company. Yep, they were.
1: Uh, yep. So yeah, there. Uh, I lost my power. I was. Uh, I'm still. I'm still single, by the way, because. Ah, so, uh, still down. Yeah, she's. Yeah, yeah, she ain't yeah. coming
2: back until
5: March. <laughs> 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 so,
1: uh, so to uh, Thursday when I got home, I th- I knew there was going to be no food in the house. Except it was frozen, you know, but nothing you'd really want to cook. Yeah. So I stopped and got Chinese food. There you go. And wow. I ate half of it, and I said, I'll have the other half for last night's dinner. Yeah, not so much. And uh, I got home, and it was probably quarter seven, like I usually do. And I took out the leftover Chinese food. I said, I want to heat this, keep this cold. Oh, no, Put it in the microwave, hit the microwave button. Boom! And it was like <laughs> about 20 seconds. <laughs> power went out. That's so done. He, huh. I'm like, oh, we'll come right back on. Nothing. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can't have cold Chinese
7: food. Uh, oh, well, though. you can if you're hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. My yeah. go-to when, when my wife isn't around and the kids aren't around, I, give me a bologna and cheese sandwich. That's Irish steak to me, man. A bologna and cheese sandwich with a big glass of milk.
1: Oh, yeah, well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I didn't. I, 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 a, didn't have bologna. <laughs> there was probably some kind of cheese and didn't have any bread. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, I threw I, all that stuff out because, and there was stuff that, um, that my wife said, well, that's probably going to be good. And I'm like, like potatoes or something. Yeah, and I sure, said, man. I said, but the chance of me cooking a potato between the time you come back, probably isn't going to happen. You'll so those
7: little sprouts coming out of <laughs> yeah, it. You know, yeah, exactly.
1: So, so, uh, yeah. So I, um, sat in the dark for a minute, found a couple flashlights and, um, uh, there was about six pieces of firewood, so I there lit a go. fire. I lit a fire in the fireplace, so I had this little fireplace lit thing, and ate my cold Chinese food. <laughs> but on the flip side of
7: that, I know you're very cautious with your money, and so you didn't have to pay electricity for that. There money. you go. So there you go. Look at the bright side. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's the story we're going with, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, Professor Paul, he's. Uh, <laughs> The you well, I I just
1: I just have to I have to I have to read this right, uh, um, Larry Rubinstein who who just emailed me on Facebook Messenger I guess said um said something about uh see if your uh, see if your internet has a check engine light cuz <laughs> it's probably word. on oh, that's so right. yeah <laughs> Good for no, we, we
7: got a grade there behind it.
1: They're working. Yeah, they're it. working. Oh, no, the yeah. staff is always here. Yeah. And you can't, you know, with all of the power out. I mean, my power was out till quarter of six this morning. It
7: must have um, been freezing in the house. It was chilly. Yeah, absolutely. It was chilly. Yeah. It was chilly,
1: yeah. Yeah, so uh, I had, you know, I was up a couple of times, kind of, there was stuff blowing around. It oh, yeah. was pretty so, windy last windy. night, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I could look out and go, eh, it not look like anything's going. And finally around quarter of six, the, <sighs> uh, the, the uh, I have an old- fashion answering machine, you know, like ah, people do. And, and all the beep and came on. Yeah, all came Yeah, it beeped and it said, uh, set time and date. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a good sign, I suppose, so. And then the power came on, and hopefully it stayed and on. There we go. So, there yeah. we go. So, all good. so, yeah. so all right. Professor Paul is.
7: Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I had one week off. I got to finally get all my Christmas stuff down. But yeah, the, his cardiologist wants to him just take it easy. He's gonna have a little procedure next week. I think it's because as it gets close to Saint uh, to Valentine's Day, they need to look at how huge this man's heart is, so for the rest of the world to see. So they need to take another look at that. I,
1: I think. D- uh, I think. I think. Uh, I think you could be onto something. Yeah, I'm to something. No, yeah. but we're
7: getting ready. I told people the the. High holy holiday uh, of St. Patrick's month is among us, and uh, it's starting now. This is my first time like behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, I've always been involved the last yeah. three years, but we're, we're, we started like two weeks ago planning for March. So it's crazy. A lot of stuff going on yeah. already. Yeah. I, rem- I
1: remember my very first St. Patrick's Day here. I think I was doing the remote at Gillette Stadium because it was the same time, and the guys were doing. I bet over that course of the weekend, there was about eight different remotes that went on. Yeah. And, and uh,
2: I played music both days. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know what to play. They just
7: said, grab something and play And I said, okay. Well, you only, you only got 50,000 uh, CDs yeah, behind easy. you to, uh, to do it. Yeah. But, hey, don't let on it's that easy, Dennis. You know, I'll lose a job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, right, anyway, well, we got to get going. The very best in Irish music. Uh, well... It would normally be Paul Sullivan, but uh, our friend Bob Brooks is filling in for Paul, and uh, we wish Sully the best. Uh, we know he's we know he's a he's he's going to be back. He's going to be back, and he's uh, good, just a good guy. And uh, Bob Brooks is going to fill in. So for the very best in Irish music, keep the radio tuned right here on AM 950, 100.3 FM. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to y'all next week. Bye bye.
7: Oh, 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 oh,